Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayer for attention to Acts chapter 17. And reading for our text, verse 26, then we might say part of verse 27 as well. Verse 26, And hath made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed, and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord. Acts 17 and verse 26. And I want that our thoughts be upon this subject, that God appoints time and place that we should seek him. There are some that rise up with real hatred and enmity at the thought that God is in control, appointing, directing, governing all that happens upon the earth. They say, well, if that is the case, then what's the use of preaching? What's the use of evangelism? What's the use of doing everything, anything at all? Because it's all out of our hands. It's all governed by a God that we cannot see and is not in our hands. A man's natural pride. He wants to be in control. He wants to have some part in it. If there is a God, it must be a God that allows him to do something to have some influence, to have something that he can say, well, this is my work, this is what I've decided, this is what I've appointed. But it's very interesting to note in this account that is before us, when Paul is speaking to those that are idolaters, that were worshipping the unknown God, they were worshipping gods of stone, idols, the work of men's hands, that the course that the apostle takes in introducing the God, the true and living God to them, and the gospel to them, is this very thing, directing them to a God that in him we live and move and have our being, directing them to a God that before something happens has appointed that thing to happen and has appointed the times when these things should happen before ever they were to come to pass. And that the knowledge of this, the knowledge of this God that is so much in control is a reason that we should seek unto him, not a reason that we should go from him, not a reason that we should rise up against these truths, but that we should believe them and that we should seek unto this God that has such a control over our lives and over our eternal destiny. This is why the Lord makes known to men that their lives are not just governed by chance. They are not just in the hand of poor, sinful, changeable men, but that our lives are in the hand of a loving, merciful, gracious, eternal God, a God who hath made us and formed us, and a God before whom we must stand at the last great judgment day, and before whom we must give an account. It is this God that is the God of salvation. The Apostle Paul introduces to these idolaters at Mars Hill, the court of the Arabagites. He introduces to them this God, so different than idols, so different than gods that were not living gods, that had no power to hear, to see, to know, to command, to foreappoint, even from eternity, all things that were happening. Now the Apostle Paul, of course, he was walking out 
part of what the Lord had said here. The Lord had said when he sent forth his disciples that when they persecute you in one city, then go to the next. In other words, I have appointed the bounds of your habitation. I have appointed where you will live for a time, where you will work, where you will serve me. And the means that are used to move you on to another place will be persecution. And we see that that is happening in this case. The Lord uses many means and many, many ways to bring about his purposes and his counsel. Before we come to the main points concerning uh, the appointment in time and appointment in bounds of habitation and what that then leads to, I want to notice this as well, that our text, the beginning of the text, is a declaration that God has made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. We go back to Adam. All nations come from Adam. Adam was formed from God. He was formed of the dust of the earth and God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Man became a living soul. Now we know then that after the flood that all nations were formed from Noah and his sons, his three sons, and of them was the whole earth overspread. The means that the Lord used to spread and separate the sons of Noah was to confound their language at uh, the Tower of Babel. And that is the reason why there are so many different languages in the earth today. And we know that all nations can be traced back then to Noah and his sons. There is no nation or people that can say, well, we have nothing to do with this God. Our heritage... Our descent did not come from him. We need to be so assertive that there is only one people upon the earth. That when we go to nations that say, well, we've got our ancestors going back millions of years, or we hear those that are saying that we all come from evolution or just by chance or just out of chaos has come the wonderful works of God, that all of these things, this foolishness of man, is all because he will not have this man to rule over him. One of the greatest evidences of the fall of man is his inability to see a creating God and the wonders in our own bodies and the wonder in God's creation. All creatures, great and small, all nations of the earth, all the things upon this earth, it's a blessed thing when our eyes are opened and we see in everything that is created, in everything that is done, where everything is placed, we see the one true and living God. In the word of God, we have the whole history of mankind mapped out, how he began. We have in the beginning of the gospel, in Matthew, a tracing of God's ordering from Abraham to David, David to the carrying away into Babylon and carrying away into Babylon under Christ, spaces of 14 generations. The timing of men, the timing of God in the lives of men, in the lives of nations. Then we have in Luke a tracing as well from our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ right down 
the line through Mary's line right down to Adam and to God. All nations. God is the creator of all and all have come through Adam. So what we are to bring forth this morning applies to all. It is not that it may be said, well, this only applies to those that are acknowledged as Christians. No, just because there are many upon this earth that do not believe, that reject our God, that ascribe his work to something else, doesn't change the truth of the word of God. God's word is true. There's no other repository of the truths of God than the holy inspired word of God, the Holy Bible. There's no other source of truth that is infallible, that is without any error. Yes, men's writings might contain truth, but men's writings are the writings of men. But with the word of God, we have the word of God. And so I want, with the Lord's help, to look this morning at three points and rather than just put them as small headings, I want each of these points to be a declaration on its own. The first is this, God has determined and appointed beforehand the timing of when all things happen. God has determined and appointed beforehand the timing of when all things happen. The second point, God has determined and before appointed where men should dwell upon the earth. In our text is spoken of as determined the bounds of their habitation. And then thirdly, that the knowledge of this should lead us to seek unto God. You have in verse 27, that they should seek the Lord. If haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. And if we think of what we said at the outset, that men do not want this man, God, to have rule over them, then of course they will not want to seek after him. They do not want to seek after him. The Lord has joined that seeking after the Lord to what the Lord appoints and directs. So the first, God determining and appointing beforehand the timing of all things. We live in time. God created time. We cannot think really outside of time. We, we measure everything in hours, minutes, seconds, days, months, years. When we think of eternity, we tend to think of it in terms of years. Millions and millions of years. Years that will never end. But in that way we cannot. We cannot really think of eternity in terms of time. Because at the end of the world it is declared that time shall be no more. And all that we have reference to of that, that will not exist. But here below, we are in time and everything is measured and appointed on that scale of time. And it is in this 
that God's work then is to be seen. God began the world. He created the world. He, he made time in the beginning. And then he set the seasons in Noah's day. All in their appointed time. Different in each hemisphere. But summer, winter, spring, autumn, all of these seasons, they are all ordered by God. The Lord has set the sun, the moon, the stars in their courses. And they are used to govern these things, but God has appointed it to be so. The thing that is set before us here is that God doesn't, as life unfolds, as time unfolds, have to decide what shall be done. He has already decided. He has already appointed those things that are to be done and when they are to be done. Really, all prophecy relies upon this. Prophecy is a foretelling of events. And many times with prophecy, there is a time factor when that shall come to pass, when it shall be performed. And the God who makes this known, whether in dreams, in visions, to his people, he has already determined when it shall come to pass. We have in Genesis 3, verse 15, the promise of the seed of the woman to bruise the serpent's head, the first promise of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. We read in Galatians that when the fullness of time was come, that God brought forth his Son, uh, the coming forth of the Lord Jesus Christ was at that time appointed, not before. And so throughout all those 4,000 years before Christ, there was many things that happened, many prophecies that were made, many events came to pass. We have the Lord telling Abraham, and he called him that his seed should be a stranger in a strange land. They shall afflict them 400 years. They shall be brought forth in the fourth generation. We know that they were. They were in Egypt. And you see how really both our points, our first two points, hand in hand, the place of their abode and the time when they should be there, and time when they should come out. But under this heading, specifically the times that were mentioned, it was in God's ordering of that time. It wasn't for Abraham to decide it. It wasn't for Joseph. It wasn't for Moses. It was God's time that appointed when they should go into Egypt, when they should come up out of Egypt, these things were ordered by God. We think of how Joseph was told by dreams of things that should happen, but the timing of that was in God's hand, not in Joseph's hand. Very often, the Lord withholds from his people how things shall happen. Sometimes when it should happen, but they are told that there is an appointed time. Like in grace, there is a appointed time to favour Zion, a set time to favour Zion. You read of that in Psalm 102. We have it also told in this very uh, chapter where we have read Acts 17, verse 31, that there is an appointed day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, that is our Lord Jesus Christ. 
There is an appointed day, appointed time, that the world shall be no more, the judgment shall come to pass. We think of the prophecy of Daniel, and many, many times in that prophecy there is mention of God's appointments and his appointed time. In Daniel chapter 8 and verse 19, at the end of that verse, for at the time appointed the end shall be, the end of persecution, the end of indignation as it is put forth there in that text. And then if we go to chapter 10, the beginning of that chapter, we read that the thing was true, but the time appointed was long. And so they are told that there is a time that is appointed, but in this case that it was going to be a long time. And then we have in chapter 11, verse 27, And both these kings' hearts shall be to do mischief, and they shall speak lies at one table, but it shall not prosper, for yet the end shall be at the time appointed. And we have a picture of prophecies of kings and speaking lies one to another, but told that it shall not prosper. The end shall be the time appointed. What a thing for us to remember upon the world scene when we can so easily hear of what is being determined by rulers, by governors, by the leaders of this world, that they cannot go beyond God's appointments. They shall come to pass, not man. Our Lord said, and To his disciples, your time is always ready, but my time is not yet. And when we look at timing, we can see some of the most clearest actions of the Lord upon the world scene. If we think of the book of Esther, and we see how the timing of Esther being brought to the kingdom the timing when Haman seeks the destroying of the Jews, the timing of those that sought to plot against the king and the king not being able to sleep and reading that nothing had been done for Mordecai, the same time as Haman came to seek the destruction of Mordecai and instead he has to go and parade him on horseback and proclaim Thus shall be done unto the man whom the king delighteth to honour. And the timings throughout that book are absolutely crucial. One mistake, one uh, change in that timing, and all would have come to nothing. And of course, that book again is in uh, the holy sacred word of God. And we see God at work, God's hand at work. The timing of God uh, often can be seen in the lives of his people. And it is a great encouragement when we see so. When we're able to look at things that happen in our own lives, how vital timing has been. And when we see those things working together for good, when we see provision in the time when that provision was needed, when we see that the openings are there when we need those openings, those flights are there when we need those flights, those Places to stay are there when we need that place to stay. There's many things that we can see the Lord's hand. And the more we're able to believe that this is his doing, it is not chance, it is not man's device, it is God's appointment. It wasn't just done and decided yesterday, but from eternity 
and that these things involve us in our lives, then this is to be for our encouragement. God has determined and appointed beforehand the timing of when all things happen. And only God can do that. And yet God uses men. He uses ungodly men. He uses nations. He uses those who do not know they are being used. He does it in such a way that he is in control, but those that are being used in this are not like mechanical typewriters that have no feeling, but men are used as if they were making these decisions. You think of the timing of the children of Israel to come out of Egypt. Pharaoh would have said, I'm in control of this. You're not going out of Egypt. I'm going to prevent it. I'm going to hold it back as long as I can. God says that he will show his might and power in Pharaoh that he will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will not let the people of Israel go, the Lord's people. And Pharaoh, if you were to ask him, you'd say, Pharaoh, are you being forced to do this by God? Are you, are you not allowed your own freedom and reason? And Are you... In God said, no, he said, I'm in control of this. I'm stopping the children of Israel going. I'm exercising my right and my power. But we know from the word of God and know from history that God was in control, not Pharaoh. And so those things that are done, the same as the crucifying of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Romans, the Jews, they took our Lord, they crucified, they slew him. The Romans were needed to do the execution. The Jews had to deliver him up. But it was all according to the foreknowledge and counsel of God. They were guilty. They were responsible they were accountable to God. They were pricked in their hearts in the end. But God was in control, not man. It doesn't take away man's accountability, his responsibility, those things that are revealed, those things that are shown him what he should do. But the time is in God's hand. Don't make me remember this. In providence, in the ordering of things in this world, in grace, in every blessing, as we sung in M76, the appointed time rolls on a place, not to propose, but call by grace. That time to favour Zion, the set time is come. Those times are in God's hand. And we are to, to remember that. <clears throat> this is what Paul sets before the unbelievers, the idolaters, those who knew nothing about God. He doesn't think, how can I set that before them? They'll rise up against that. I can't go out and, and tell people that their lives are in God's hands, their times are in his hands, it's all appointed, it's all planned. Man likes to hear something different than that, but, but Paul is faithful and so should we be. He should tell the truth and tell it as it is. And hath determined the times before appointed. Well, the second thing is concerning where men dwell. God has determined and before appointed 
where men should dwell upon the earth. It's not by chance that the nations are where they are in the world today. It's not by chance that any individual is in the place where he or she is today. It wasn't by chance that God brought Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees and brought him into the land of Canaan. It was not by chance that Joseph was brought to be in Egypt. Though his brothers acted very wickedly, deceitfully to their father, yet it was appointed that Joseph should go to Egypt and that all of his brethren and his father also be brought there into Egypt. That was appointed that they should live there for that season. It wasn't to be forever. There was a time that they were to be brought out and that they were to be brought to Canaan. And it was said right in the beginning with Abraham that his seed should inherit that land of Canaan. It was given them by promise. And in God's time, they were brought into that land. It wasn't by chance that the children of Israel had to be brought into captivity in Babylon. Again, the time was appointed, 70 years, that they should be there. The two things, they're going together. There they were. It's interesting how it's set before us here, the bounds of their habitation. Now you think if you go to a zoo and you see an enclosure, it's got lions in it, or elephants in it, and you look round and there's bounds, there's fences, there's ditches, there's that which is designed to keep them within that area. They might think, well, we've got freedom. Yeah, you, you, you can walk up and down your enclosure. You might have a great big field to go in. But in the end, there's bounds to it. You cannot go past those bounds. And that's the idea here. You think of the sea. The Lord has set its bounds so that it cannot go over the earth. Thus far shall thy proud ways be stayed. Your place is in the sea, not on the land. And so with God's people, so with all people upon the earth, is appointed where they should actually dwell, where they should be. Our Lord Jesus Christ his path was directed even through his parents in the very uh, beginning. We read of this in, in Acts, in, sorry, in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 19. When Herod was dead, and it was this time uh, that, uh, that Mary and Joseph had taken our Lord uh, into Egypt. They'd been told to go there to flee into Egypt. But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeareth in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus did reign in Judea in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go thither. Notwithstanding being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth. And now hear this, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Not by chance that he was to go into Nazareth and that it should be because of the fear of Herod's son. God has appointed 
those times and the bounds of our habitation. And we need to remember this. Why one should be in one place, one should be in another place. He shall take them, take you to of a city, two of a family it is, two of a family, one of a city, and bring you unto Zion. The verse that so puzzled me in my childhood, how could there be two of God's people in a family, but only one of them in a city? Because in a child's view, there's never a separation. There's never going to be a dividing. They shall all stay in one place. But I've had to learn through my life that that is not the case. And right from the time the Lord called me, and there's been that separation, one part of my family in one part of the world, another part in another part. And that is to be lived out. And many of the Lord's dear people, many upon the face of the earth, they prove this. They've gone, sons and daughters, in other nations, in other lands, in other cities, in other places. They're not all together. Some indeed might have, and they might live and die in one city, in one place, hardly travel at all. But often it is the other way round. And who sets that bound? Who determines where we shall live and where we shall be? It is the Lord. It is his appointments. And not as it goes on, but something that has already been determined. And hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. God determining it, and then we are to watch and to notice and see how God is bringing about what he has determined. Well, I want to look then in the last point that the knowledge of this should lead us to seek the Lord. The verse following our text begins that they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him. The apostle brings it as a way that men are to be brought to their creator, brought to look unto the Lord not by imagining that the Lord has nothing to do with them, but by telling them the Lord has everything to do with them, and they have everything to do with the Lord, that even where they live is determined by God, and that everything that is in their life, the timing of it, is ordered by God. Here is Paul, why is he here? Why is he at Mars Hill at this time? He's waiting. Is he wasting his time? No, he's redeeming the time. While he waits, his spirit is stirred. In verse 16, when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry, he begins to dispute in the synagogue with the Jews. And then the door is open to him. They want to know. What are these things that he's bringing? What are these things he's speaking of? And he thinks of these altars that he has seen. And he begins then to speak to them about that unknown God that they were ignorantly worshipping. And the first things he brings, this is a God. God that didn't just appear in time and made by your hands but is the eternal God and is a God who has an active control and purpose in all that happens in life and where we live and what happens. And the whole aim is that we should seek unto this God. Now in the fall, 
man, he alienated himself from God, rose up in rebellion against God's commandments and God's ways. In grace, in the message of salvation, it is that men should seek unto God. It is through our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ coming to this world as appointed, taking on him bone of our bone, flesh of our flesh, made like unto his brethren sin accepted, made of the seed of Abraham, that he should then put away the sins of his people, lay down his life a ransom, a substitutionary offering, the sentence of death falling on him and not on his people. That which he had done, that which is finished and accomplished at Calvary is to be made known and it is to be preached, Jesus Christ and him crucified, the only name given among men whereby we must be saved. But men do not want to hear of God or of his ways. But in the message of salvation is also the message that the God of salvation is the God of this world, the God in whom we live and move and have our being, the God before whom we must stand at the last judgment day, the God before whom we must give an account, that God who is the sovereign Lord of all. Now the great blessing, the blessing by grace, the blessing in the time appointed by God for his people is that they hear this, they bow before him, they do acknowledge him, they don't receive, don't rise up against him. The great difference is known when these things are set forth. We have in verse 32, when they hear of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, others said, we will hear thee again of this matter. The Apostle Paul has a difference in his hearing, in his hearers. Some they cleave to him, Others they just mock. That will always be so. But it is the Lord's appointed way that those that he will save, when the truth is set before them, they will hear it. They will receive it. They will bow before him. And the truth that is unpalatable to man, to fallen man, will be that which is used to draw the people of God unto the Lord. Him writer says, as sovereign God, I wish to see. Something really that is completely alien to fallen, proud, rebellious man. We will not have this man to reign over us. Paul says, but this man, this man who suffered this man who laid down his life this God that appointed this way of salvation he commands all men everywhere to repent to turn from these idols to turn from everything that is not of him and to turn unto him and look unto him Look unto me and be ye saved or the ends of the earth for I am God and there is none else. What a great mercy that the message is so, so clear as to directing where salvation is to be found, whom it shall come through and that it is that which is needed by men who shall stand before God's judgment throne. Why does the apostle speak of the resurrection of the dead? He speaks of it because our Lord Jesus Christ has risen from the dead and it is to give eternal life to his people. 
He hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead, that that sacrifice was accepted, that that which was foretold of the coming of the just one, of the seed of the woman, has come to pass. God's appointments, God's plan, revealed beforehand, has been enacted. And so men are directed to this God to order their lives, to fall into his hand, to know no will but his, to know that they are part of God's plan, God's purpose, God's purposes of grace, of mercy for his people. And this great token of being his people is really to fall in with God's plan. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done, was the word of our Lord. The word of the Apostle Paul, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? It is not rebelliousness against God's plan, but it is falling in with it, with his sovereignty, with his purposes, with his way of saving sinners, left to themselves without any appointments and plan and electing love and mercy of God, none would be saved. All would reject him. All would say, depart from us. We desire not the knowledge of thy ways. But may we know a difference. And especially in the context of this before us, say, Lord, I desire to know thy ways. I desire to know thy timing. I desire to know the bounds of my habitation. I desire to know that I am in thy plan. And though the bounds of my habitation here below are on this world, Job, he knew that the days of his life, the time on earth was appointed. And all the days of my appointed time will I wait till my chains come. But blessed be God, those that know this God, those that know the Lord, know that he has appointed another bound of their habitation, that is heaven itself. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you shall be also. Blessed be God, where the Lord has appointed for us an inheritance, a place, a place where we shall be. Dear friend, in Pilgrim Home once, as I first met him when I was preaching there, and he hung upon my word as I preached, and after I asked him, was he in there for respite or permanently? He said, well, permanently, and then his face changed, and he smiled and he beamed and he looked up. He said, but this is not my home. My home is above. And the Lord will bring me there soon. And it's a blessed realisation. Yes, he'd had to move from his home. Maybe he'd lived in for many, many years into pilgrim home, into respite care. But he knew that move was to be followed by another one. And in that habitation and in that place that God had appointed for him, he delighted, he looked forward to, he longed to be there. In God's time and way, he brought him there. But may we also join with him and know this God and know his work in our lives, know his grace, know what he has done for us at Calvary, know that he has redeemed us and brought us to want to know him and to see his work and to have an interest in the place prepared in heaven above. The times and bounds of our habitation is a blessed thing when the Lord says to his dear, toiling, weary pilgrims on earth, I'm going to change the bounds of your habitation.
how much you may have moved in this world from one nation to another, from one place to another, you've one more removing place, and that is to be with me, to remove from this earthly scene of time and to be with me. Father, I will that they whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. That is the end for all of God's dear children. However much they're sojourning, they're moving in this world, that is the end. And that is a blessed prospect. It is a prospect that often is mentioned when we have parted with dear age friends that we know there is very little possibility that we'll ever see them again in this world, that we shall see them above, where we have that good hope through grace and a hope of being with Christ, which is far better, and to see them again and to see them there. And so we have these things that are set before us, a God appointing time, appointing place, the bounds of our habitation, and that all these things and the knowledge of these things is to bring us to seek unto this God. May we be helped to seek him more and more, to desire him here below, to desire him in his earthly courts, and to desire to be with him in heaven above. May we know these precious truths and see evidence of it in our lives. A sovereign God I wish to see. May that be our language and may that be answered. So see he has put these appointments, brought them to pass, put these bounds, made us to feel them and that it has this effect, not to drive us from him, but to draw us to him. May the Lord add his blessing. Amen. Amen.